0: Good morning, good morning. You're so welcome to Living Hope this morning. It's so good to see you. We're going to stand and we're going to worship together. And I was buried beneath my shed. Till I made you and I was breathing but not alive. And all my failures, I tried to hide. It was my two till I. saved my soul. Thank you, Jesus. And now your freedom is all that I know. Come on. Oh, they all made you. Jesus, when I I needed rescue, my sin was heavy, the chains break at the weight of your glory, I needed shelter, I was an orphan, now you call me a citizen, when I was broken, you were my healing, now your love is the air I'm breathing, I have a future, my eyes are open, is when you call my name For this day we thank you That we can be called children of God Sons and daughters of the King We praise you God in this place this morning King of kings, Lord of lords You're so worthy of all of our praise In this place this morning well, Let's sing this out together church And oh, victory And you have won Victory you have come the world was stolen and you brought back to us sing so no a victory My God, He is good. He has overcome. all the earth, every tribe and tongue, we will sing it out. He has overcome. And all the saints and angels they bow before Your throne. Then all the elders cast their crowns before the. And the until angel- Churches, just declare this this morning you worthy because you are the sing it one more time. You're worthy. Cause you're worthy of it all. Cause you're worthy of it all. deserve all of the glory in this place you're worthy of all of our praise it's all about you this morning all about your name Jesus we worship you this morning Jesus name we pray
1: Amen, sir. isn't God so good this morning, isn't he so worthy of all our praise, no matter what your weeks look like, no matter how even this morning's went on the car, the church in the morning that we're getting ready and it's such a rush, isn't God so good, despite of how we may feel, we may feel trapped in our circumstances, Morning, we may feel trapped by whatever's going on in our life, but it's so good this morning to come and say, God, you're so worthy of it all regardless of what's went on regardless of what will go on God you're so worthy and I want to read this morning as it come before the table in Psalm 102 and it's verse 18 to 20 and it says this it says let this be recorded for a generation to come so that people yet to be created may praise the Lord and then this is the bit that I want you to get it says that he looked down from his holy height. From heaven the Lord looked at the earth to hear the groans of the prisoners, to set free those who were doomed to die. You see, David in this psalm, he talks about three active things of a holy God. Three things that God has done for me and for you. And number one is this. He looked down. He looked down from a holy height. This simple world that you and I were part of, that you and I are responsible for. He looked down, a holy God looked down. Number two, he heard us. He heard the groans of the prisoners. David in this Psalms talking really specifically about the Jews. They were held in captivity and they were appointed to death. So David here is talking about that. But spiritually speaking, as you and I come before the table today, that holds such significance for us, doesn't it? That God heard our groans. He heard the groans of us. Spiritually speaking, we were in such a state of sin. Spiritually speaking, we were in the prison of our own wrongdoing. The prison of everything we've done wrong. And God didn't ignore us. Thankfully, God didn't ignore us in that place of our wrongdoing. But he heard us. You see, his plan right from the start was to send Jesus. And that's why we come every week to remember that, to take the payment. He didn't leave us to fix the issue yourself. Because we couldn't do that and we would never be able to do it. You know, hearing is an active thing, an active thing of a holy God. And God heard us. And I'm sure many testimonies today would be able to tell, first of all, how God heard us by saving us. But how he hears us every day. God is an active God. He heard us and finally it says to set free those who were doomed to die and you know isn't this just a picture of the table if it hadn't been for the table wouldn't that just be the story of my life and of your life written all over me i was doomed to die you know i was doomed to die you were doomed to die because sin sin deserves death the consequence was death but it was one that jesus took for us he took for me and he took for you we have been set free from death today if we trust in Jesus and have a relationship with him and you know sometimes we need to just go back to these three simple reminders number one that God looked down God in his holy height looked down from heaven to earth and he saw the need we were in but not only did he look down but number two he heard us what a great God we have that he hears us isn't it church To hear the people, we don't deserve that at all. But God hears us. You know, God's attributes act. I love that saying, God and his attributes act. He he acted, he heard us. He could have ignored us or turned his ear. Because that's what you and I deserve. But he didn't, he heard us. And finally he's come to set us free from death. And if we love and serve Jesus, that's what we have been given today. So let me read that again. Let this be recorded for a generation to come. So that people yet to be praised, yet to be created, may praise the Lord. That He looked down from His holy height, from heaven, the Lord looked at the earth to hear the groans of the prisoners, to set free those who were doomed to die. And you know, if you love God and you've made that decision to follow Him, this is you this morning, and this could be you this morning if you made that decision. We come to celebrate today. We come to say thank you to God that He looked down, that He heard us, and He set us free this morning. So let me read 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, and it says, For I have received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So if you take the little cup, it might be underneath your seat, on top of your seat, and then pay back the first layer. I'm just going to pray, and then we can take that all together so god thank you so much thank you for this sacrifice thank you god that you looked down that you looked down and saw my state god and our state but not only did you look down and maybe ignore us or just think that we could try and fix it ourselves but god you heard us god and where would we be if you hadn't have heard us god will me cry out to you god where will we be without that but god thankfully that the last thing god that you've set us free from death God, that we don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear the consequence of sin, God, because you took it on our behalf. So thank you for Dan sending in your son Jesus as Dan on the cross for us. goes on to say this in the same way also he took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes so I'm just actually going to ask Stephen Francie would you mind praying um, for the juice this morning and then we can all take of that together thank you Stephen.
2: Your mercy, Lord, we're so humbled this morning. What is man, but Lord, we come before a Almighty God. We come into the Holy of Holies, as it were, through Your Son, by Your Spirit, because our sins are forgiven this morning. Hallelujah! Is it any wonder, Lord, we rejoice in Your presence this morning, because You alone are worthy, God. Our sins are forgiven. We rejoice in that fact this morning. So Lord, as we come, as we take the cup, Lord, we cast our minds back to Calvary and as your blood was shed for each and every one of us, Lord. And Father, as you look upon each and every one of us this morning, Lord, you don't see us in our sinful state; you see us washed in the blood. The blood covers us. Hallelujah. And Lord, that makes us right with you because of what you're saying. Son, did help so Lord, accept our thanks this morning as we take the cup. As if we hand is put in your presence this morning, I pray, Lord, that they have experienced, Lord, your presence, your peace, your power, Lord, and your provision this morning. Oh Lord, I just exalt you this morning. So accept our thanks Lord, in Jesus'
1: name. Amen. Let's all take the cup together, church.
0: Just stand and sing together.
3: thank you team for leading us in worship and Rebecca leading us at the table good morning thank you for being in church uh this morning uh, so there's a few announcements just to let you know of what's happening uh, the first one just is this he says so oh, we love kids in this church we do we really do love them he says we've created our own space no, we really do. We really do love them. Yes, yes. uh, we've created our own space, kids' space, for those kids at primary school, which is out the door there to the left, if you want to leave your kids in there. Uh, and, uh, we also have a uh, parent and baby room, just to be politically correct, and stuff. So if you've kids younger than a couple of years old, babies, and you're worried about them making noise and that, please uh, make use of that room there. The speakers are on so you can see and hear everything that is happening uh, in church uh, this morning. Uh, the the Earth Glance is available for the month of November. This lets you know everything that is happening in our church over the next month. So please take one of these uh, so you're well informed of what's happening. The last, the last Sunday in November is the 15th anniversary of this church building. There we, go. we put this up in November 2007, and on the last Sunday in November, we're having a couple of special services, uh, just simply to celebrate uh, God's faithfulness, just to us as a church. Uh, we're going to be hearing some testimonies from people, uh, some of the stories of how we ended up building a church here, and that. And so we're just we're going to be doing the last Sunday in November. we something really to look forward to. Uh, they're 15 years here. Uh, tonight is the conversation. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to do Sunday evenings are slightly different. Uh, me and Tim Bailey are having a conversation and we're inviting you to listen to it. Uh, now you might think to yourself, I could think of nothing more dull, but actually it's, we're going to be answering uh, a question in our conversation. What do we do in the hard times? Uh, what do we do in the hard time? Something relevant for everybody. Maybe relevant for somebody that you know who's going through a hard time. Bring them along tonight. And uh, this will be a good night, uh, just as we just discussed this uh, uh, between us uh, and that this evening. That's our uh, half past six tonight. Uh, tomorrow, at one o'clock, is the Refresh Lunch Club, uh, which is going to be Jackie McCubrey and Band. I think that's what they're calling themselves, they <laughs> eh? I'll play tomorrow, no, right, Jackie. It says, Jackie McCubrey and Band are playing tomorrow. And so listen, you're all welcome to come along. To We're having homemade soup uh, tomorrow. So if that doesn't get you in, if Jackie doesn't get you in, the soup will get you in. I'm joking, Jackie. All right. So don't forget tomorrow. The funeral of Mrs. Helen Hill is going to be on Tuesday at one o'clock in the church for those of you uh, who would like to attend. Uh, that's one o'clock. And Tuesday night is the Man Up event. We are sold out. All the tickets have gone. 144 men, uh, which we think is fantastic uh, for the night. For what is a prod? Uh, so we know what gets people in round here, don't we? So we have chicken curry. And, uh, now, ladies, if you remember the start of October, uh, we put a conference on for you and how hard us men worked for you. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I am still recovering. But, listen, we need some help on Tuesday night. Uh, Now, to be fair, the men don't bother with all the guff that the ladies do. Do you know what I mean? We don't need all that. We literally put out tables, disposable plates and tins of juice. That's it. If I could get away with serving the curry straight onto the table, I would. (laughs) But that's not going to happen. So we're looking for some help. Actually looking for some help for 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 the funeral as well, but also the Tuesday evening, if you can help us with some of the washing up and the serving and that. And ladies, if you can help me, would you, would you let me know at uh, the door and, and stuff, just so as I can help on Tuesday night and stuff. Uh, this week, there was no kids and youth on. Uh, the, it's no kids and youth on at all uh, this week. And next Sunday, just to make a special announcement, uh, we wanted, wanted to start a prayer ministry in church. Uh, Pre-COVID, we used to do the overflow prayer ministry on a Sunday night now from next Sunday what we've got we've got a team a uh, prayer ministry team who are going to be available after every service um, morning and evening just to pray with people who would like prayer uh, so they're going to be from next Sunday they're going to be hanging about outside the foyer you'll notice some they'll have uh, big lanyards on you what a lanyard is don't you yeah no, big sign around the neck. Just uh, complicated. Just, they'll be out in the foyer and listen. We want you to make use of this. We want to be a praying church and a preaching church. And so, therefore, from next Sunday, uh, that's what we're going to do uh, just to be make ourselves available for people. We think this is such an important ministry. But enough of me. I wonder if you'd join me in welcoming Pastor Reese as he comes uh, <laughs>
4: Thank you, Pastor Matt, and um, I want to give a warm welcome to you all, those who really need church this morning. Obviously, I'm talking to the Liverpool men, so <laughs> just get that out of the way at the start, will we? Listen, if, if you need support, obviously, Pastor Matt and myself are available. We can do group sessions. We can do one-to-one want a reaction in church? All you need to do is talk about Liverpool. These are too easy. Eh? These are too easy. Eh? That's enough about that. Obviously, by the way, it was my Leeds team that beat Liverpool. Just so, just so everybody's aware of that. What's going on, church? It's so good that you're here, and it's it's amazing to see a full church. Um, it's amazing that you're all here as we continue uh, with the invitation and continue looking at Matthew chapter. Um, continue looking at the the gospel of Matthew sorry and we're um, we're making our way through it and today we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 5 which is um a really interesting passage a very famous passage we're going to be looking at the sermon on the mount and the beatitudes um but do you know on Thursday night um I was I was um telling a story at kids church and um We'd been given, we'd be given a theme, and we were looking at the Beatitudes um, in kids' church as well, and actually in youth this year uh, too. We've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount, and none of that was actually planned, but we just believe that this word, um, this this passage, is for this season, and we're excited for what God is doing in that. But you know, we just had this thought as I was thinking back to Thursday night, and we were sharing with the kids, and we were sharing about Shadrach, Meshach. And in Daniel 3, 17 and 18, it says this. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O King. But if not, be it known to you, O King, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. And do you know what these men we we did on Thursday night? Blessed are those who are persecuted. And these men they're facing persecution. But do you know what they say? And the theme that kind of runs through the the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount is: Do no matter what, as long as we have God, no matter the outcome, we are already blessed. Church. We are already blessed, and what they 're saying is we have God, and God will deliver us from this, but even in the eyes of men, if he doesn 't we still have God, and we are still blessed and Can I encourage you, whatever circumstance you find yourself in, sometimes the results aren 't always what we would seem what would seem as successful, but can I encourage you that as long as you have God, that you are winning you 're on the right side of it, you are blessed? You are blessed as long as you have God, no matter the outcome, no matter the circumstance. And that's kind of what we're looking at today in Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to begin by reading These five verses, and these are the verses that we're looking at uh, this this morning, and we're working through them one by one, so you'll know when I'm near the end. We're working through these verses, and we're going Matthew chapter 5, beginning of verse 1. It says, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Church, let's pray as we begin to study God's word. Lord, we thank you that we are indeed a blessed people. I pray for those who are in this room that maybe haven't felt that in this season. I pray that today you would help them to understand that they are indeed blessed because you are with them. You are speaking to them. God, thank you that you are on our side. Thank you, God, that um, that you are for us and not against us. And Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you how it builds us up how it encourages us how it teaches us and how it shapes and molds us and i pray lord that by your holy spirit today would you give each person the word that they would need to hear in this season in their circumstance right now god god i thank you for the power that is in your word thank you god that you move in our lives and lord thank you that you still speak to us today God, we we bless you for the time that we have here because of you. And it's in your son's holy and precious name we give thanks. Amen. Amen. So church, as I said, over the next few weeks, we're going to be covering some of the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to be covering the Beatitudes, which are at the beginning of this sermon, found in the first 12 verses of Matthew chapter 5. So we're just covering some of those today. And the Sermon on the Mount is the sermon that Jesus gave um, between Matthew chapter 5 and 7. This sermon, it's a collection of truths. He's, he's not, he's, he's preaching one thing, but also preaching multiple things. He's bringing to us a multiple life lessons, but all designed in a way that obviously points to his Father, that points to God, and points to our need for him. It's, it's, um, It's a collection of truths designed to prepare his followers for his kingdom. Which involved a lifestyle that was radically different from the world's. So he's preaching to his disciples, his followers, and he's preparing them for the kingdom. Which will be radically different to the world that they are living in. Church, that sounds familiar. What we what we experience in the kingdom of God is radically different to the world in which we are living in, and and um, obviously, as I said in youth, we've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount, and and not on purpose. I actually had given myself literally one verse um, to look at, and so. Um, I'd given myself Matthew 5, 1 and 2. I gave myself um, a, bit, a bit longer, but this morning we're going to do our best to break down what it says here and believe that God is going to open up his word to us because the Sermon on the Mount is probably the most famous sermon that Jesus ever gave, perhaps the most famous sermon ever given by anyone. And I find this um, online, if you were to summarise, um, if you were to summarise the Sermon on the Mount in a single sentence, it would maybe look something like this: how to live a life that is dedicated to and pleasing to God, free from hypocrisy, full of love and grace, full of wisdom and discernment. Church, the Sermon on the Mount, it it covers several different topics. And as I said, though our focus over the next few weeks will be eight statements found in the Beatitudes, beginning with one word, church, blessed. They each begin with this word, blessed. Each Beatitude declares that a different group of people, usually regarded as afflicted, usually considered down um, in, in terms of the world usually considered not to do well not to be doing well each each people group are actually blessed they are actually blessed in their circumstance the blessedness is from God's perspective not our own it's a spiritual prosperity in which we have not necessarily an earthly one not necessarily an earthly happiness but spiritually we are full spiritually we have what we need when we have God when we have his Holy Spirit and those who belong to each group that that we are looking at experience God's grace in different ways because the kingdom of heaven has come near Those who are blessed do not have to do anything to attain this blessing. Those those who are blessed don't do anything to deserve it. The Beatitudes are declarations of God's grace. What he gives to us freely. Not in light of what we do, but in light of who he is, church. And there's there's not conditions to it. It's not a way to earn entry into God's kingdom. It's just how he blesses his people. Most scholars consider the Beatitudes as painting a picture of the characteristics of the kingdom of heaven. So as we step into God's kingdom, we hope to become more like those named as blessed. More meek, more merciful, more hungry for righteousness more apt to make peace and over the next few weeks we're going to explore the meaning of each of these and we'll also look for ways in which we can practice living according to the values described in these verses in the context of our everyday lives how does this apply how does it apply to those that Jesus was speaking to as well And and I often say this. Sometimes we consider some verses. As like transitional verses. It's like the first two verses here. Obviously we read. We read the sermon on the mount. And then we read the first two verses. And then it gets to the beatitudes. It's like right. That's where we're getting to the teaching. I don't really do transitional verses i don't think the scripture does either i think god has something to teach us in every single word that is written in his word it literally says that it's profitable for teaching so can i encourage you when you're reading it when you're reading god's word even as pastor matt did a few weeks ago when he read the genealogy when he read the generation upon generation don't skip over parts see what god's going to say to you in, um, in the verses in Scripture, and each verse in Scripture, we're beginning with verse one that says, "Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him." Mountains are interesting places. Um, they are places of journey. They are often considered places of victory, and um, those who climbed who climbed and suffered that that mountain in Belfast cave hill a few weeks ago I know a lot of you were involved and some people are still suffering with their sore legs and they're limping in the church but it's it's considered a victory when we when we when we reach the top but you know what's also victory carrying on and climbing and making the journey that is also victory, and and what, I, what I'm saying here is often, often mountains are considered places of victory, and when we think of victory, we talk about mountain tops. We talk about shouting things out from mountain We talk about reaching the mountain top, and and I want to ask you this morning, just as as we begin, who's most likely to get to there? Who's most likely to get you there? Who do we want around us as we take on these mountains? Who's going to share in our victories rather than envy them? And it's important to remember that we are most victorious when God takes the glory. Because when we try to do that, when we try to say that we have the victory and we don't acknowledge, acknowledge God, church, we've already lost. But what's important to remember is that God, God is the one who takes the glory. He, Jesus saw the crowds and he took himself to the mountain and he started to teach his followers. And there's, there's crowds who have gathered, but Jesus focuses his attention on his circle, and it 's easy to get caught up in crowds it 's easy to get caught up in in, in people. It's easy to get caught up in where where everybody else is going and what everybody else is doing and we lose sight of who is there around us. When When we have a bit of a success, when we gain a bit of a following, when we're more liked, when we gain popularity, it's easy to lose sight. Church, can I encourage you today that Jesus gained crowds but he kept circles. See, Jesus chooses to spend time with his disciples here. At the very beginning of this. And obviously he ministers to crowds. And, he, and it tells us all throughout his ministry. That as he goes he heals people. And he has time for people. And he feeds crowds of thousands of people. But church he keeps his circles as well. He keeps those who are closest to him. Jesus chooses to spend time with God and God's people. He is most concerned with doing God's work than appeasing people who want his time or want his attention. He knows that he has a job to do here. And, and the people who are closest to him, he needs to, he needs to preach to them. He needs to deliver to them what it is that's to come. He has to give them what it is that they need. It's important to remember Who should we keep around us? Who should be the closest to us? Don't get caught up in crowds. And we move on church to the next part. That's not moving there. Do you maybe click on the next slide for me? Brilliant, thank you. And it tells us that he opened his mouth in verse two. And he opened his mouth and taught them saying... And again, that, that looks like a, it looks like a get us there verse. It doesn't look like something necessarily that we take anything from. Always look to see what God is saying here because it literally tells us that Jesus opened his mouth. If he's doing that, it must be significant. There's something coming here. But there's also something in that. I I like doing this. I read this verse and I'm like, why is that there? Why is it telling us that he opened his mouth? It's it's weird, it doesn't feel necessary, but he obviously taught them by opening his mouth. I mean, that that's obvious. You're gonna teach somebody? You open your mouth? Well, it's not so obvious because Verbal teaching is just one way of teaching. And good teachers know that. They know that there are different people who learn in different ways. And, and you'll know if, um, if Athena's ever on the platform and she's ever given a message, Athena's a teacher, so she likes to have a visual aid as well because she knows different people learn in different ways. Different people understand in different ways. And simply put, this implies that see, it says, and he opened his mouth and taught them. It implies that Christ could teach them without saying a word. He opened his mouth and taught them, but he could have taught them by keeping his mouth shut as well. He could teach them without opening his mouth, and and maybe I'm not being clear. Hopefully, this wraps her head around it which says what Christ does is every bit as important as what Christ says because you see Christ models the people as well Christ teaches us with what he says but he also teaches us with what he does and he teaches us with what he doesn't do as well So just understand that. Just begin to see that. And as as the word of God tells us about Christ's actions, where he goes, what he does, what he says, what he doesn't say, understand that we can take something from all of it. All of it. And that's where we're going. What Christ does is every bit important as what he says. He taught them by opening his mouth. But he also taught them, when he kept his mouth shut, too. He also taught them in, in ways that they could see as well as hear. And I wonder what do our actions look like? We are learning from the perfect example here. But as we go about our day to day lives, what does what we do? How do our actions teach people? What do our actions teach people about us? How we go about life? What we do and what we don't do? What does it say? Because understand, what you do says something. How you live your life, not even always the words you speak, how you live your life says something. So just think about that. Think about how you conduct yourself where you are, the people you are with, the things that you are doing. You hear the expression, the pictures speak a thousand words. Understand, know that what people see is important. Not just the words that we say, but obviously the words that Christ says here, we do need to dwell on, we need to sit on, and we need to understand. Because he's speaking to the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The poor in spirit, church. The poor in spirit are those who cast themselves on God's grace. It's people like we find in this passage in Luke 18 and verse 13. The tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Being poor in spirit... It's an honest confession, it's, it's a true confession that we are sinful, we are in sin and therefore in desperate need of God. We are sinful and in desperate need of God. And Jesus is declaring that it is a blessing that you are blessed when you recognize your need for God's grace. Like, obviously, poor in spirit, that doesn't sound great, but blessed are those who realize that they are spiritually bankrupt because that realization, it turns us to God without whom we can't fulfill what we are created to do and created to be, who we are created to be. We cannot fulfill that without God. So blessed are those who are pure in spirit because it causes them to turn to Christ that causes them to realize their need for God. The poor in spirit. Being poor in spirit it's an honest confession that we're sinful. And therefore in desperate need of God. We need God. And the poor in spirit are a blessing to those around them. Because as they recognize their need for God, so too will others. Begin to see that same need in themselves. Understand that your vulnerability isn't necessarily a weakness. Understand that when you realize that you need God, that that others may see that again in what we do. Understand that, that this vulnerability and knowing a need for a saviour, it is a blessing and Christ says it is. You're blessed to be pure in spirit. You're blessed to be spiritually bankrupt. You're blessed to be in need of God. You're blessed to be in need of a saviour. And church those. Who mourn. Blessed. Are those who mourn. For they. Shall be comforted. This, this is maybe one of the most famous verses. That we read. And, and as I said. Each, each statement here. Begins with the word blessed. And in the bible. Blessed usually means, means happy. But in the context of Matthew 5. Blessed most likely means an enviable state. So that means enviable as in when, when we are envied, as in when people would like to be where we are or what we have. It means to be in a state where others want to be. It means to be in, in a place where others want to be. Because in an earthly sense, when somebody is rich... We call them blessed, but here's another example of high in the Beatitudes. Jesus calls some people blessed who seem to be the complete opposite. They don't seem to be blessed at all because they're mourning. And according to most people, according to most definitions of that word, mourning, it it seems to be the opposite of being blessed. But Jesus continues when he teaches here to contrast the world's idea of happiness. The world's idea of true blessedness. Which comes from a right relationship with God. That's where ultimately a true blessing comes from. Nothing of the riches of this earth. Praise God that he is gracious to us and that he supplies our every need. But that's not where the blessing comes from. It comes from knowing him and being known by him. And the term mourn here, it means to experience deep grief. And there's actually another version of this verse that reads, They are blessed who grieve, for God will comfort them. See, in keeping with this this theme of spiritual blessedness, Jesus seems to indicate that this type of mourning here, this type of grief that these people are experiencing, it's, it's grief over sin. That's what the passage Po- seems to point to a grief over sin, a deep grief over sin, a mourning over sin. Now, those who have suffered loss, of course, have. Um, of course, are recognised by God. Of course, have a special place in God's heart, and the Psalms tell us that. It tells us that God is close to the brokenhearted. It tells us that the Lord heals the brokenhearted. It tells us that it tells us in God's Word that He recognises those who are brokenhearted. He recognises those who are grieving and who are mourning loss. But in this case, it would seem that Christ is talking about sin, grieving the state that we are in. And the people who agree with God about the state, the the evil in their hearts, well they can they can receive that that enviable state of blessing that we talked about. Because what happens is they, they see what God sees. They understand the, the place that they are in. They understand the state. And so because of that, the comfort that they receive comes from communion with God's Holy Spirit. Jesus called the Holy Spirit the Comforter. The Spirit comforts those who are honest about their own sin and humble enough to ask for forgiveness, to ask for healing. We don't want to hide in our sin or we don't want to try and justify it before God, because then we can't know the comfort that comes when we grieve our sin, when we confess it before God, and when we receive a pure heart. So pour out what it is, pour out your shortcomings, pour out your falling before God, and experience his grace, experience his mercy, and experience the blessing that comes in mourning. In the Beatitudes, Jesus reminds his disciples that they cannot seek happiness the way the world does. True joy isn't found in selfish ambition, in excuses, in justification of ourselves. Blessedness comes to those who mourn over their sin. And it says in Isaiah 66 and verse two, these are the ones I look on with favor. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word those who learn to mourn over their sin they find the heart of God an intimate fellowship with God is the very foundation of true happiness of true blessedness an intimate relationship an intimate fellowship with God that is where we are blessed we are blessed because we know God and then finally in verse in verse five, the meek. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The third beatitude that we look at here, Jesus' words echo Psalm thirty-seven, which says, The meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. And the Greek word for meek it refers to The Greek word for meek, it refers to mildness, gentleness of spirit, humility. Meekness is humility toward God and toward others. It's having the right or the power to do something but refraining for the benefit of someone else. And Paul urges meekness. When he said in Ephesians 4 and verses 1 and 2. I therefore a prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness with patience. bearing one another in love. Meekness. Being meek it models the humility of Christ. You want to be like Christ then you want to model Meekness. You wanna you wanna be like Christ, then you ought to be meek. Philippians two, it says, Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used. To his own advantage. Rather he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself. By becoming obedient to death. Even death on a cross. Being in the very nature of God. Jesus had the right to do whatever he wanted. But for our sake. He submitted to death on a cross and that church is the ultimate in meekness displayed perfectly for us Christ's death on the cross Christ gives himself up to model for us he gives himself up for us, in order that we would have a relationship with God in order that we would recognize the state in which we are in, and so we would then recognize as well our ultimate need for God. We need God if you 've never accepted Jesus into your life, if you have never made that decision to follow Christ, well, can I encourage you? Can I tell you that the gospel, it's the good news that God, the creator and sustainer of all things, he sent his son into the world. And Jesus Christ, his son, lived a perfect life. He did no sin, he did no wrong, and yet he gave himself over to be crucified. He gave himself over to death on a cross. And Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, it tells us that God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The state in which we find ourselves, that is the state in which Christ died for us. But it's because he wants us. He wants us to give our lives to him. God wants a relationship. With us. He wants us to open our eyes to all that He is, to all that He has given us, and understand that He sent His Son into the world that sinners be saved. And how we do that is simple. It tells us in Romans 10 and verse 9 if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. To confess, To confess that Jesus is Lord is to understand that you have sinned, that you have fallen short. But it's to know that Jesus died on the cross for you. It's to know that he was raised from the dead. It is to know that he lives in eternity. He offers you eternal life. It's to trust in all of that. And you will be saved. Church, allow me to pray as the team come. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your son. Thank you for how we are blessed, even when we don't recognize it. Thank you that you help us to recognize our need for you. And God, I pray that today, as we would leave this place, would we model as Christ modeled would we do as Christ did? Would we show people? Would we tell people about the good news of Jesus Christ? Would we tell the gospel to all who would listen? Then, your Son's holy and precious name, we give thanks. Amen. Church, if you want to stand and sing with
0: us. There is one gospel on which I stand for all eternity, and it is my story, my father's plan. The Son has rescued. Me. you. Mm-hmm. God, we thank you for this message from race this morning. God, we thank you for who you are. You're worthy of all of our praise. We thank you that you're right by our side whenever we're going through difficult situations. You're so worthy. We give you all the glory and honor in this place this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.